This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to the end of the liturgical year, and that means we're celebrating the feast of Christ the King. Now, some people have suggested that this feast is a bit anachronistic, since we don't have much truck with kings nowadays. They've suggested maybe we should change metaphors and celebrate the feast of Christ the President. Well, though we might not like uh, human kings very much, and though the, the notion of kingship is kind of alien to many of us, I mean, I'm an American, I'm not a big fan of kings, Nevertheless, the metaphor should remain. How come? For the whole idea is that Christ must become the Dominus, the Lord of our lives. He's the one to whom an absolute submission is required. See, presidents serve at our pleasure. We vote them in, we vote them out. But it can't be that way with Christ. That's why the metaphor of kingship, even though it's politically a bit awkward for us, is theologically right. We don't vote him in or out. We submit completely to him. He must be the Lord of every aspect of our lives. Private, public, physical, intellectual, spiritual, our friendships, our relationships. Christ must be the center, the Lord of all of that. And so he indeed is king. Now, things will get a little bit easier, I think, to take when we see precisely what kind of king Jesus Christ is. Here's the bottom line, and I'll develop this, but let me say the bottom line first. We are not dealing with another Louis XIV or Napoleon or Caesar Augustus. Just the contrary. We're dealing with the one who rightly reigns over all those earthly potentates, but who bears little resemblance to them. He's king, dominus, yes, over every aspect of our lives. But he's a very strange king, different kind of king. Now, our first clue as to his identity comes from the gospel for today, which is an excerpt from St. John's masterly account of Jesus' conversation with the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. The canny and experienced and pretty brutal Roman authority asks the question bluntly, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responds famously that his kingdom does not belong to this world. In other words, he's implying, yes, I am a king, but not a worldly king, not the head of a worldly kingdom, 
In fact, we've seen, haven't we, that from the very beginning of his preaching, Jesus is all about a kingdom. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. But here's the point. His kingdom does not belong to the power structures of this world, which is to say, to that whole conjuries of institutions, customs, personalities, and practices that are predicated upon ordinary power and plays of power. Let me say that again. His kingdom is not predicated upon this whole range of customs, institutions, people, practices, predicated upon power and the plays of power. Now, you want to see a good example of that, look no further than Pontius Pilate himself. Romans didn't send wimpy people to be governors of their provinces, especially a province such as Judea, which was famously um, restive. They had a very tough man who knew how to play the game of power politics, which is how he would have risen in the Roman world, which was talk about a cutthroat world, but also who knew how to deal pretty bluntly and brutally with any sort of political unrest. In fact, Pilate was especially famous for that. Mass uh, crucifixions to respond to um, rebellions and so on. He was a prime example, in other words, of a worldly king. Now, what differentiates Jesus? Well, here's, here's one of the signs. The Lord says, The reason I was born, the reason I came into the world, is to testify to the truth. Anyone committed to the truth hears my voice. Worldly kingship has to do primarily with power, self-aggrandizement, and violence. It's been true from Caesar through Machiavelli to Hitler and Stalin. Worldly kingship. But the kingship that Jesus represents is a ruling ordered to the truth. Its purpose is to guide people to the truth, which is simply another way of saying guiding them toward God. Pope Benedict speaks of a dictatorship of relativism. He's naming, of course, the attitude that sadly governs much of contemporary life. Relativism says that truth doesn't matter. Just decide what you want to believe. Have no real focus or purpose. It is, of course, into just this sort of breach that tyrants typically step. And let me just stay there for a second. I think it's a very important uh, point. When you relativize the truth, that means truth intellectually, but more to it, truth morally speaking. When you say, oh, it's all a matter of, of you know, private decision, it's all up to the individual, see the danger there. When the moral absolutes fall, tyrants walk into that space, and they begin imposing their will. The point is that any and all political leaders are, legitimately speaking, under the aegis of the truth. They should serve the truth. They should be conditioned by the truth. Jesus signals the great difference when he says to Pilate, 
I've come to testify to the truth. Anyone that loves the truth hears my voice. See, and by implication, follows me. There's the first great distinction. Notice again Pontius Pilate himself as a prime example of this worldly power. In answer to Jesus, he says cynically, Truth, what's that? What's the truth? See, for a power person, the truth is a matter of indifference. Read someone like Machiavelli if you want to hear Pontius Pilate now many centuries later. Same idea. Oh, truth is, you know, whatever works, whatever helps you maintain power. But see, it's just that sort of man who will blithely send an innocent man to be crucified. You know, if Pilate's fundamentally indifferent to the truth, then why not? Why not send someone who's clearly innocent to be put to death? Now, to say that Jesus is our king is to say that we have surrendered our lives utterly to the truth that he represents and embodies. We're not under the aegis of of these worldly uh, power brokers. We have surrendered utterly to the truth that he represents, that he embodies. Now, that's the gospel. Our first reading from the book of Daniel offers still another perspective on what Jesus' unique kingship is about. Our passage for this weekend is taken from the mysterious and magnificent seventh chapter, wherein the prophet recounts for us a series of visions that he experienced. I ask you, sometime this week, pick up the book of Daniel. Read the whole thing if you have time and you have the, the energy for it. But if not, start with that seventh chapter and read till the end. Daniel speaks in chapter 7 of great beasts arising from the sea, frightening creatures engaging in terrible acts of violence. They symbolize, as scholars tell us, a series of earthly kingdoms, drunk on their own power, wreaking havoc over the world. Now, true in ancient times? Yep. True in medieval times? Yes. True in modern times? You bet. True today? Just read the newspapers. This play of worldly power, this, this battle of the great beasts, I mean, it's going on throughout human history. But then in Daniel's vision, there comes a great heavenly figure whom he calls the Ancient of Days. That's at least the beautiful King James rendering of it. Around the Ancient of Days were arrayed a series of thrones on which sat judges. The point here is that the powers of the world are being brought before the Ancient One and his court, and they are passing judgment on them. Notice what's going on here. This is the truth of God that is passing judgment on the corruption of worldly powers. But then, and here's where our reading for today commences, then listen to Daniel. I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient One and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. See how extraordinary this is now. So the nations have arisen, all these beasts and animals. 
um, drunk on their own power, violent, and so on. Worldly powers. Then the Ancient of Days, that means God and his holy court, passes judgment upon them. He announces they're not the true rulers. But then coming to him is this figure, like a son of man. It just means a human figure. Coming among clouds of heaven. To him, the Ancient of Days gives kingship. Who is this mysterious figure who comes to the court of God amidst the clouds? I think the best reading is, this is the Israelite high priest who on the Day of Atonement would come before the throne of Yahweh, surrounded by clouds of incense. Here's the great priest, the high priest who represents the whole of Israel. In the Israelite mind, king and priest were closely associated figures. Indeed, that association lasted right up till modern times, didn't it? Look at the coronation of the great kings of you know, France and England and so on. The point here, this is the definitive final high priest who represents the people before God and who becomes, through God's grace, the leader of all the peoples of the world. For Daniel, this was a prophecy, a vague vision, a distant hope. What the first Christians saw was that this prophecy came true in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. He was the true high priest to whom God gave lordship over the world. True kingship has to do with truth. It has to do with this graced encounter with God, with right worship. Friends, that's what the Feast of Christ the King is about. Are we willing to give ourselves utterly to this priest, to this king? And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.